As Kira read, the Bible says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. There's been bad theology, and I read some of it this week, so I know that it is out there. There's been bad theology that teaches that this statement by Jesus, that this section of the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus is a rebuke against rich people. But it is not actually a rebuke against primarily just rich people. There's been some bad theology that teaches that, that this is a rebuke against, against all material possessions. There have even been some that have, that have taught that, that Jesus is saying, you know, we don't need to worry about our savings. We need to give to God and sacrifice to God, and God will take care of us. But is this the correct theology? Jesus, through the Sermon on the Mount, is teaching followers, remember people that are in relationship with Jesus. He's not teaching the Sermon on the Mount in order that we would know how to be saved, but Jesus is teaching this in order to show how saved people live in response to their salvation. He's teaching Christians how they are to live in response to his love, his grace, his mercy, and his salvation. And if we were to follow the bad theology around this text, our assumption would be if we were to follow the bad theology around this section of the Sermon on the Mount, our assumption would be that Jesus only wants poor people with no possessions or minimal earthly possessions to be followers of his. That is what the bad theology would teach us. Yes, yes, in Matthew chapter 19, in Mark chapter 10, in Luke chapter 18, the, the, the scriptures say, teach us, that, that it is difficult for a rich person to get into heaven. Jesus tells us that in those passages. In fact, he compares uh, being a rich person or a rich person getting to heaven like a person or a camel going through the eye of a needle. And when Jesus makes this statement, it's, it's shocking to his disciples, and they ask the question, then who can get into heaven? If this is how difficult it is, who can get into heaven? I find it interesting that they didn't ask. Can only the rich get into heaven? How do the rich get into heaven? Or, or I guess only the poor get into heaven? But they ask, who can get into heaven? But Jesus' answer to them is what I want us to see. And it's important for us to understand this in the world in which we are currently living. Jesus says to them, with man, with man, this is impossible. This is Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are are possible. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. We like to put those texts almost separately sometimes. It's hard for a rich person to get into heaven, and we can use that against kind of the upper class. And, and, but we love to use the text with, with God, this is impossible. With God, but with, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Possible. We like to use that text in all kinds of settings, but, but Jesus here wasn't saying that a rich person can't get into heaven. He's actually saying, with God, this is possible. You know what this actually tells me when Jesus makes this statement? When Jesus makes this statement, it actually tells me that the same work of salvation that it takes to get a poor person into heaven, a middle-class person into heaven, it's the same work that takes to get an upper class person in heaven. Because here's what I know. With man, it is impossible for Chad Stewart to get into heaven. But with God, all things are possible. With man, it is impossible for anyone at any 
income level. With man, it is impossible. With anyone at any income level to get into heaven. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus wasn't about class warfare as some, especially in our modern politics, would like to make him. Jesus' words in Matthew 6 are not a rebuke against the rich. Jesus is not condemning savings and having possessions here. In fact, if Jesus were condemning people for having savings, then he would be contradicting other portions of Scripture. You may remember in Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon writes about an ant. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This proverb condemns actually those who go into poverty because they have not taken into consideration preparing for taking care of themselves and their family. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible reads this, Paul writing to Timothy, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an un believer. Jesus is not condemning saving. Jesus is not condemning having possessions. In fact, the Bible says, if you do not provide, take time to provide for your family or have adequate means to provide for your family, then you are worse than an unbeliever. Now, someone would say, but doesn't Jesus say, don't store up treasures on earth? Yes, he does. And Jesus is here speaking of material possessions. But he is not speaking for having them, nor against having them. Jesus is speaking against materialism as the priority, as the focus, as the, as the foundation of trust of one person's life. Now, who can make material things the priority and the focus and the foundation of their life? Can a rich person make material things the, the priority and the, and the focus and the foundation of their life? Absolutely. Can a middle-class person make treasures of this earth and, and material possessions and, and, and trusting in, in money the priority of their life? Absolutely. Can a poor person with, with almost nothing make material possessions the priority and the focus of their life? Absolutely. Think about this. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, we are taught, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Tithe is, is 10% of our income. And the Bible teaches us that we're to make this a priority of our lives. Let me give you a little scenario. Let's say there's a person that makes $10 million a year. In that year, their tithe would be $1 million. But say they only give $900,000 because they decided to take the extra $100,000 and go and buy a $100,000 car. We would look a little bit askance at that. Now say there's a middle class family, a middle class person that, that makes $100,000. Their tithe would be $10,000. But say they only pay $9,000 because when they, when they looked at things and they, they balanced out, okay, sending my kids to an Adventist school and tuition is so expensive, maybe some of you can say amen. Um, 
I'm going to choose to divert some of that money, and I can't pay tithe. I can't afford to pay tithe, so I'm going to, to, I have to, I have to take care of myself. I have to be able to pay my funds here, so they divert $1,000 to help pay for their Christian education. And, and maybe we would look a little bit less askance at that. And then the person living below the poverty line, well below the poverty line, who makes only $10,000 in a year, their tithe would be $1,000. But they only give $900 because they think, man, I need that extra $100 to provide food for my family. Who has the misguided priorities? The temptation of our lives and the temptation of the way we typically look at things is to say, well, it's the millionaire because they bought the car. And these other people are at least using their money for good things, Christian education, buying food. But what Jesus here is teaching in regards to trusting in God more than money, trusting in God more than the treasures of the earth, the answer is that all three have skewed priorities. All three have skewed priorities. God says, make this a priority of your life, 10%. And each one is not making that a priority of their life for one reason or another. We could also look at it this way. The person who makes $10 million gives away $5 million of their money to, tith- uh, to tithes and offerings and other charitable contributions. They, they give away 50% of all that they have every year. But they also live in a very nice house, maybe a million-dollar home. Maybe they do drive still a $100,000 car. But the person who makes 100000 gives only 50% of tithe and kind of complains about how they wish that they had more. And the person who, who makes only 10000 pays only $100 in tithe, but they badmouth the rich people all the time while at the same time looking for ways in which they maybe can make the same money so that they can be rich as well. In our society, there are those that would like to say, well, the rich person, because they have so much, they look at the big house they live in, look at the big car they have, they're not living by priorities, but they're giving away 50% of all they have. We can have all our treasures and all the worldly possessions, and our focus can still be in the right place. And we can have no treasures and no worldly possessions, and our focus can be in the wrong place. Jesus here is not condemning having or not having. He's not calling you to have abundance, nor is he calling you to have nothing. He is calling us to have our priorities focused on him and him alone. Jesus wants wants us to have our focus on him and the things of his kingdom. He wants those things to be our treasure. Ellen White writes in in the classic work, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. She talks about what these these priorities, these things of heaven, these treasures of heaven should be. And she talks about that the number one, the first and foremost thing that that is the treasure of heaven is our characters. Who we are as people, are we being refined by God? Isaiah, the prophet, wrote in the book of Isaiah, chapter 13 and verse 12, I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. This is speaking of God refining our characters and, and, and helping us to develop into his image. Ellen White says our first and foremost priority, our first and foremost treasure that, that is stored up in heaven is our surrendered lives and our character being developed by Jesus Christ. This can happen whether you have a lot of money, whether you have a little bit of money, or whether you have no money. 
In fact, I know for me probably, and maybe for some of you as well, this may mean that we need to live with less than others. We may need to live with less than others. I have friends that tell me that when I was younger, I don't quite remember this as well. You may be surprised by that because I remember a lot of my bad things, but this isn't one I remember as well. But they tell me that I was extremely greedy and that I was always talking about money and I wanted more money and more money and more money and more money. Maybe I don't get to be silly rich because God knows what it would do to my character if I got silly rich. But maybe some of you could be silly rich and still have your characters be glorify God. If you need to know what silly rich is, then it's a number you can't imagine. <laughs> Another priority that Mrs. White speaks of is, is the priority of winning converts to Jesus. I remember I used to work with a pastor who said, Chad, we can only take two things to heaven, character and converts, so don't worry about anything else. Worry about your character, win people. That's all that matters, character and converts. Matthew 28, of course, tells all of us to go and make disciples in other words, the prior, priority of our time, the priority of our effort, the priority of our money should be in this great cause. These are the treasures of heaven. The, our characters, the, the, the winning people to, to the love of Jesus, introducing people to the love of Jesus. And a third priority that Ellen White mentions there in the book Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings is looking for every opportunity to do good for others, looking for every opportunity to bless others. These are the treasures of heaven. This last one, my son once reminded Christine and I of uh, in a very strong and powerful way. It's probably five, four, five, well, at least five years ago, maybe even close to six years ago, and we were at our house back in California, and we were discussing whether or not to give this lady that was in our church a, a stroller. Uh, she had just had a baby, and she, they were having a baby shower for her. And, and we were looking at this stroller, and the stroller was quite expensive. We were looking at something else, and the something else was not expensive at all. And we were going back and forth on whether or not we should give this stroller or whether or not we should give this, this other gift. The lady that, that we were thinking of didn't have much money. In fact, she was a, a single mother, and she didn't have much money at all. I'm sure that she, I, I know for a fact that she had an a, a income below the poverty line. And we, Christine and I, were much better off than that. But we were also saying, you know, but we also have these bills and these things we need to worry about. And so we were having this discussion. Should we give her this or should we not give her this? Little did we know that there were listening ears in the room. And those listening ears were playing with some toys and we weren't even paying attention to, to little Dayton. And he gets up and he, he walks out of the room unbeknownst to us and we're still having this discussion and Dayton walks back into the room right between us with his Lightning McQueen piggy bank in his hands and he holds it up to us and he says, now you can buy her the stroller. True story. We, we were flabbergasted. We were shocked. Not another word of discussion was shared and the lady ended up with a very nice stroller. And don't worry, we didn't use Dane's piggy bank money. We, we recognized what God was trying to tell us and we did the good for her. But Dayton, as just a little five-year-old, was storing up treasures in heaven. He saw an opportunity to do good. He saw his parents debating whether or not to do this good. And his decision was, I'm going to go and do good. At just five years old. 
just five years old. These are the treasures of heaven, our character, reaching other people with the love of Jesus and looking for every opportunity to bless others. Skipping down just a little bit in Matthew chapter 6 to the, to the third section of this passage. Matthew chapter 6, sorry, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, and some of your Bibles say mammon. My Bible says money. You cannot serve God and money. It's a very strong statement that Jesus makes here. Jesus doesn't say it is tough to serve God and money, or it'll take real discipline. Jesus says you can't. Our God is either God or it will be money. And again, this can be a rich person or a poor person or anyone in between. It isn't the amount of money a person possesses. It isn't amount of possessions a person has. It is about the priorities and the focus of the heart. And Jesus illustrates this in the little section right between these two sections. Jesus says, Store up treasures in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then down at the bottom in verse 24, Jesus says you cannot serve God and money. And in the middle of that, Jesus places an illustration. And the illustration is this. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you in darkness is darkness, how great is that darkness? The illustration is a metaphor. The healthy eye here represents someone who has their priorities and their trust in the right place, particularly in this context in regards to his or her money and possessions. The bad eye represents someone who, whose priorities are misaligned. Their priorities and trust and dependence are on their financial resources, on what they have or do not have within this world. Their, their, their trust and their priorities and their focus is on the things of this earth and not the things of God. The question for us is, is our eye good? Is it bringing in light? Or is our eye bad? Where do we place our trust? In Jesus and the things of Jesus and serving Jesus? Or is our trust in the material possessions of this earth? I can't take that job because if I take that job, I may have less money. And if I have less money, then, then that may affect my kids in college. Yes, I, I kind of feel that God's leading me that way, but, but, I, but I've got to pay for all these kids to go to college. Where is our trust? Where is, where is our focus? Where is our dependence? Dane's moment of extreme generosity helped me to see that Christine and I, our eyes were bad, at least to an extent, in our lives. In the opportunity to bless someone less fortunate, and we had the means to do this, we did have the means to do this, we were asking, but do we really want to? We weren't using those exact words, but that's what we were saying. Do we really want to? It wasn't, can we? Because we could. We had the money to go buy that stroller. If we didn't have the money, we wouldn't even have been debating it. The whole reason we were having the debate is because we had the resources to do it. And we were saying, do we really want to, even if we weren't using those words? The reason I know it was a question of, of want and not of means is because now, five, six years later, I have no idea how much that stroller cost. 
I have no idea. And five years later, I still live in a very nice house. And five years later, we still have two cars. One might be sitting in the driveway dead at the moment, and I'm driving Pastor Jason's car. Thank you, Pastor Jason, for having three cars and not just two. Five years later, we're going on vacation in a couple weeks. Our kids attend an Adventist school. It wasn't a question of can we, it was a question of want. That showed me, that shows me as I look back on it, it was about my eyes. What was my focus? Where was my dependence? Because what we were debating was, do we want to buy the stroller? We have some other bills we need to make sure we pay. Da-da-da, we have this, we have that. It was all about our eyes. Jesus isn't rebuking rich people. He isn't rebuking possessions. He isn't rebuking being smart with your money and saving. What he is doing is calling us to serve him fully, to make him the priority of our lives, to be dependent upon him fully and completely so that when he does call us to do some things for him and for his cause, we will be fully surrendered to that and to his ministry. So the question is, again, do you, do I, do we have healthy eyes or are our eyes bad? Do we have light coming into us because we're fully committed and dependent and trusting in the, in the provisions of God? Or is there darkness in us because though, even though we're Christians, we, we, we really actually are dependent upon this check and, and this job and, and this house? Do we have healthy eyes or bad eyes? If you know and realize that something in you says, you know what, my, my eyes are bad. I'm, I'm far too dependent. Every month I'm worrying about money. Every month I'm, 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 I'm saying no to opportunities because I just don't trust that God's going to provide. You know, I, I, I find myself giving more towards, towards other things rather than towards the kingdom of God. If you find yourself having those moments in your life, having those areas of your life, there are some things that we can do to get rid of that bad eye and to begin to turn our treasures away from the treasures of this earth towards the treasures of God's kingdom. And I want to give you just three things that you can do, pretty easy things that you can do to begin to turn your hearts towards the treasure of God's kingdom. The first thing I would say is this. We read in Malachi chapter 3. God said, bring your full tithe into my storehouse. If you're not tithing your full 10%, I would encourage you to start doing that immediately. Immediately. Trust God that, that he is going to provide. I promise you that he will provide. But maybe some of you are already tithing, but you, but you know your eye is still bad, or you know that, you're, that you still have the temptation to be more dependent upon material things and the things of this earth than on the things of God. Then I would encourage you in those cases to 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 look for opportunities to become more sacrificial in your time, in your efforts, and in your giving. I mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. I love the story of Rick Warren, who suddenly as he's making so much money after he wrote Purpose Driven Life, he looked at it, and he looked at all this money coming in, and he realized that this money is not for me. And if I make it about me, then, then it's not going to bless anyone. And so rather than saying, okay, I'm going to give 10% of this 
10 million that I received or I'm gonna give 10% of whatever he's received. He said, no, I'm gonna give 90%. I'm only gonna live on 10%. I mean, that's that's a total shift. I made all this money. I'm gonna give all of it away. I'm gonna keep driving my Ford Explorer from 1993. I'm gonna keep living in the same house I've been living in all my life. But I'm going to give the rest of this away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust in God. Now he's living actually on about 7%. Maybe God's calling you to sacrifice. Not maybe at that level, but maybe if you're tithing but you know that you're still dependent on other area, on, on, on money and, and the things of this world more than you should be, maybe sacrifice in other areas. And the third thing, based on what Mrs. White said about looking for every effort to bless others, a third way that we can begin to change the focus of our eyes is by using your time and effort and your resources to serve others less fortunate than you. The most fun that we had this last Christmas as a family was when we went down to Washington, D.C. Christina came home one day and she said, uh, your little sister and I came up with an idea and, and the gift we're gonna give to each other is to serve others. And that's what you're going to give too, Chad. <laughs> you're not getting anything, you're gonna go serve others too. And so a few days later, we all piled into our, into our car and Christina had gone to, uh, to, to Costco and she'd bought a bunch of sleeping bags and she loaded these sleeping bags in the back of her car and she bought a, a bunch of packs of socks and she wrapped all the socks up and she made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because peanut butter and jelly sandwich is awesome. Um, I believe that I could live on peanut butter and jelly cereal and, well, that's really about it. I'm good at, after that. I wouldn't be healthy, but I could live on it. But we packed up peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we rolled the socks and, and we got the sleeping bags and we went down to Washington D.C. and we went to a place where there were some living that were less fortunate than us. And, and, and I don't remember, I know my in-laws gave me something for Christmas. I know my, my parents gave me something for Christmas. I know Christina gave me something. I honestly can't remember what they gave me at all. And I gave my kids something and, and, and I don't remember what we gave our kids either. What I remember about this past Christmas, I remember is the lady who turned to her friend and with absolute joy in her eyes and this excitement in her voice, this song in her voice said, this is so awesome. We were in the right place at the right time. As she walked away clutching her sleeping bag. This is so awesome that we were in the right place at the right time. I I praise the Lord that my wife's eyes were full of light to help us to be there in the right place at the right time. There are some people that think they can change their hearts. Well, we know that God is the one that changes our hearts, but but I want to tell you something. Some of us think that, that we'll change our hearts and then we'll start doing. Sometimes I've learned that you have to start doing and God uses those things then to change your heart. In other words, if your treasure is in the things of this earth, Start putting your treasure into things of God and watch your heart begin to follow. Something I can guarantee you that we'll be doing next Christmas. And not just because Christina and my little sister made a deal about going and serving people, but because I'm excited about doing it. Because my kids have already asked about, when are we gonna go and do that again? 
is we'll be down there doing this thing because where our treasure is, where we put our treasure, oftentimes our heart will follow. So let us remember, as Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, he's calling Christians to live into response of salvation. You're not saved by giving sleeping bags to the homeless or socks to the homeless. You're not saved by giving 10% of your tithe. You're not saved by sacrificing offerings for the church. None of these things save you. You're saved by Christ and Christ alone. And now Jesus says, now come and live in the full experience of that. Living with your treasures on the things of God. And watch how I'll use you. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for salvation. Now, Lord, please help us to live in response to that salvation, giving you all honor and glory, that we may be refined and molded into the perfect image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.